Well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses, meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. So glad you made it to church. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Glad you can join us whenever you can do that. It's always great to have you with us as well. And you know, it's 2018. Welcome to all of you to 2018. And my challenge to you gently would be to make this year the best year of your life. What would you need to change? What would you need to do? What would you need to look at? Professionally, personally, whatever. What would make this year a better year for you and your family, your friends, whatever it might be in your life, 2018. I'm committed to that myself, making this the best year of my life, and I hope that you'll join me in that. We are in a series called My Flippin' Family, and I love that title because no matter how great your family is, no matter how much love and respect you have for each other, there will be times in every family when you have had it. When if your brother, sister, mother, father, son, or daughter does that annoying thing one more time, you're going to blow a fuse. Honestly, I think I annoy my wife every single day by how I eat, how I sleep, how I share my food with the dog. Drives her crazy. When food gets stuck in my teeth and I try to pick at it or make sucking sounds to dislodge it. And I'm not the most tidy person, she says. Lori says I leave a trail of clutter wherever I go, but I just tell her to let it go. Let it go, which is amazingly helpful in a marriage. I've said, I've said for years, though, that when one sinner marries another sinner, you double the trouble. Add a couple of sinnerlings, and you've got major problems. And I love my grandkids, but they were home for a week at Christmas, and this is what we experienced, that, you know, so lovely and so nice. And if it wasn't for the screaming and meltdowns, it would have been awesome. Right before they came home, my daughter sent me this video of her nine-month-old having a snack. Okay. Now, she's not crying. She's just protesting. There's no reason for this whatsoever. Just on and on and on. <laughs> you know, who taught her to do this? Who taught her to scream her head off for no reason? Nobody. She came out of the chute, a self-centered little screamer. And you can tolerate it for a couple of days, but I'm telling you, it's day after day. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Just goes on and on and on. The final night they were with us, their family, I said to Meg, my daughter, I said, I'm teaching on families and kids next week. What should I tell everybody? She said, tell them not to do it. I said... Aren't you glad you had kids? She said, yes, but tell them. It's the hardest, most exhausting, demanding, expensive thing they'll ever do, and kids don't care if you're sick or bored out of your skull. Tell them that, she said. So I told her. <laughs> well, today's message is called, is called Property Brothers and Sisters after the HGTV Property Brothers hit series because nothing determines a child's odds for success or failure more Nothing forms their faith, values, or relationships more. Nothing has more impact on a child's life than their parents. You might think it's the internet. You might think it's social media and peers. All those things have influence, but nothing trumps the influence of a parent. Now, that's the good news. The challenging news is that an increasing number of kids are being raised by absent parents, Addicted, self-indulged, or single parents. And by the way, I have 
immense empathy for the single parents who are here today or listening online. Your job is almost impossible. And we as a church are here for you. We will love you and support you in any way we possibly can. And there is a heavenly father who loves you and understands the pressures and tensions in your life. And go to him. He's always faithful. Go to him and, and seek help if you need it. I have great empathy for single parents, but kids these days often attend schools that aren't safe and go home to a place that isn't safe or one or both parents are absent or addicted or misbehaving. This problem is widespread, by the way. Today, four out of 10 kids are being raised in a single parent home. Among black families, it's seven out of 10 but I agree with Ben Watson, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, who, by the way, speaks very often about racism and parenting. He's a wonderful uh, Christian man and Christian husband and Christian father. This is what Ben Watson says about the problem of families today. He says, the breakdown of the family is not a skin problem. It's not a race problem. It is a sin problem. So true. He says, sin is the reason people cheat on their spouses and have affairs. Sin is the reason people fight, abuse, steal, and father multiple kids with different women. Gang, it's not a skin problem. It's not a race problem. This is a sin problem. doesn't matter if you're black, white, or whatever. Race has zero to do with it. We are all the same. We are all sinners. And when parents sin badly, kids suffer the most. Now, the only solution to all of this is when a parent repents of their sin, gets transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, and becomes a different person in him, becomes an honest, moral, and loving human being. My wife and I made a lot of mistakes in raising our kids, and conflict how to, over how to raise them was our biggest tension in, in our marriage, honestly. More than money, more than in-laws, more than anything else. How to raise our kids, biggest tension. Today we are on the backside of parenting. Thank God, thank you. We're on the backside of parenting. And I can honestly say that raising Megan David, though, has been our greatest joy and greatest achievement. Their faith is strong. Their morals are intact. They both married wonderful Christian spouses. We could not be more blessed as a family, but we had our struggles and maybe you're one of those parents where it's been nothing but struggles. The Bible understands this. By the way, Proverbs 10 says, a wise child brings joy to his parents, but a foolish child brings grief. And for some of you, it's been nothing but grief. So you're here today, you know, looking for hope. And there is hope for every person here, but it's not going to be easy, parents. Because whatever is going on with your kids, good or bad, is happening on your watch. You, parents, are your child's greatest influence. Not their teachers, not their coaches, pastor or peers or Twitter feed. And if you've got a child, by the way, who at this moment is disrespectful or is out of control or withdrawn, it really is up to you, parents, to figure out why that's happening and take appropriate action. By the way, your primary goal as a parent is not to make your kids happy. I hear this all the time. Parents say, I just want my kids to be happy. It makes me crazy. Why not saying something like this? I want my kids to be responsible. I want my kids to be honest. I want my kids to be hardworking. I want my kids to be faithful. 
filled. If your kids become those things, then they will be happy. Drives me insane. So here's the question. How do you do this? How do we help our kids become responsible, godly human beings who add value and joy to life instead of pain? How do you get them from zero to 25? Yes, 25. Parenting never ends. It's endless. With their faith and life intact, I think there's four gifts that every parent must give their kids. And gang, if you get these four gifts right, your odds for raising a great family will skyrocket. Okay, first gift every parent needs to give their kids you have to increase your stability, parents. Your stability. In a society that is increasingly unstable, I thought about this a lot, what kids need most to thrive on is stability. So I want to ask you, parents, how stable is your life? How stable is your faith? How stable is your marriage and home? If you're divorced, what steps have you taken or need to take to stabilize that situation, your life and home? The top two disorders among kids today are anxiety and depression. And it's due in large part to the instability that they face every single day all around them in the society. One cold morning, Several years ago, I stopped by to pick up my brother-in-law, Ozzy Larson, to go hunting, and his two little boys were out at the bus stop with five other kids waiting for the bus. And their backpacks were lined up perfectly in a row, just perfectly. And it's a fundamental law of nature at the bus stop that you do not mess with a child's backpack. You do not mess with that order. And so I walked over to these five kids, and just to mess with them a little bit, I said, hey, whose backpack is first in line? Well, that's Jack's, they said. Jack's always first. I said, well, how come Jack's always first? And little Ozzy spoke up. He said, because Jack's dad leaves for work really, really early in the morning, and he sticks Jack's backpack out here at 530 I said, well, where's Jack right now? Oh, well, he never comes out until the bus comes. I thought, well, that's not fair. You know, Jack's in there sipping hot chocolate while the rest of these kids are out freezing their butts off. So I said, hey, what do you say we put Jack's backpack at the end of the line? <laughs> you should have seen their faces. Their jaws dropped. Nobody said a word. They looked at me like I was insane. Finally, little Oz spoke up and said, you can't do that, Uncle Bob. I said, why not? He said, because Jack will cry. I'm like, let him cry. <laughs> you know, let's see what happens. Just let's spice the bus stop up a little bit. <laughs> now, nobody liked that Jack was always first. What they liked even less was changing the rules. Stability is a very high value at the bus stop. But gang, think of it. If moving a kid's backpack is such a big deal, think of what moving from house to house, school to school, relationship to relationship does to a kid. I was talking to my 30-year-old son about this while back. He said, Dad, the thing that helped me the most was that you and Mom 
were always consistent. So I never had to, never had to think about, never had to worry about, question your faith, your marriage, your work ethic. And that gave me, David said, that gave me an advantage other kids never had. Years ago, I was reading a book on, on families, and the author was talking about how to stabilize your family in this chaotic world. And he said, one of the things you ought to do is plant a tree in your yard and don't move for 10 years. And so when my wife and I moved to White Bear Lake, Minnesota, I planted 44 trees, and I said, we are not moving for at least 10 years. It about killed me, planting all those trees. That was 27 years ago. And those trees are still growing. Uh, we're in the same house, same marriage, same church, same doctor, mechanic, friends. I'm not saying you should never move, because sometimes you have to or change jobs or whatever, or change some things. But I'm telling you, all that sameness has brought a stability to our family that is virtually unshakable. Dr. Phil says it this way, a child who grows up in a chaotic home will not do well in this world. So true. One thing, so parents, if your life and home is always chaotic, why is that? And what can you as a parent do about it. One thing you can do is plant a tree and don't move. Kind of figuratively speaking here, don't bounce from person to person, school to school, church to church, for at least 10 years. Because for your kids to thrive, they need you as a parent to be stable. I love Psalm 1. Blessed, blessed is the person who's like a tree and are just planted in, in every area of their life. They're just solid, planted by streams of water, in, of water. In everything they do, they prosper. They're not shaky. They're solid. They, you never have to question their, their integrity or their faith or their morals or who they are. They're always the same. Are you a parent like that? First gift is stability. Second gift is you got to set a good example. Because your children, for better or worse, will follow your example in almost everything. Paul wrote these words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anybody look down on you, Timothy, because you're young. But set an example, Paul said. Set an example for others in speech, life, love, and faith. Kids need someone to follow it as an example. He says, set an example first in your speech. And so parents, what typically comes out of your mouth? So important because Proverbs says that words have the power of life. Words have the power of life or death. And so do, you, do, you, do your kids hear life-giving words? Like, I love you. I'm so proud of you. God has a plan for your life. Or do they hear life-killing words like, what's wrong with you? You know, you're worthless. GD this, GD that. Dad's especially here, and I'm so glad you're here, Dad. You're leading the way you came to church. You're watching online. Way to go. But Dad, your words have so much power in your family, for good or bad, and if you are using harsh or profane words, dads, you are harming 
your kids in a permanent way. If you're using life-giving words, you are, you are blessing your kids and blessing your family. And so dads, if, if you're using harsh words, you need to stop that. You need to apologize for that. That's your issue. You need to overcome that with God's help, okay? How about your life, speech, life? We're talking about how you live. You know, what do you do? Are you setting an example? So parents, if you want your kids to be honest, are you honest? If you want them to be moral, are you moral? If you want them to be productive, are you productive? You know, how is alcohol handled in your home or conflict? What example are you setting with regard to earning, spending, and saving money? Is your life one that you hope that your kids will emulate and follow? And what about faith? I'm gonna come to love here in just a second. What about faith? What is your faith like, parents? Is your faith real? Is it genuine? Is it growing? Are you pursuing a relationship with Christ? Do your kids ever see you pray? Are you leading them to church every weekend without fail? You say, Bob, our kids are in sports. Yeah, I know that. But are they in church? I don't know if you know this, we have one of the best student ministries on the planet right here in Minnesota. I want to show you a clip from a recent event that our students were a part of. Watch this. All right, Rev, this is Lumberjack Christmas. Christmas is about God, our loving Father, giving us his son Jesus to be born as a free gift that we don't deserve and to pay the penalty for our mistakes. And then all we have to do is just accept it. That star told them, and it tells us, that Jesus is the one that we should follow. If you wanna know tonight, who is the one I should worship? Who is the one I should follow? Who is the one who will help me make the tough decisions in my life? There is a light shining tonight, and the light is shining on Jesus. Over 2,000 kids every Wednesday night fill our buildings and hear a message and music, and they're around other kids, other students who are believers in Christ or, or trending that way, and that's where they need to be. Most important thing in their life is to pursue Jesus. Then, gang, you as a parent must pursue Jesus Christ, a relationship with him. Dr. Phil says it this way, the secret to raising a child of character is being a person of character yourself. Because for better or worse, your children take on your beliefs and your behaviors. The second gift every child needs is a good example. Now, everybody blows it. You know, in our home, our kids watch, saw us watch us too much television. They saw us spend too much money. They've seen us fight and argue and say a bad word, and my wife has had to apologize many times for that. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, the choices we make as parents, the words we use, the places we go, the movies we watch or should not be watching as parents, the things we believe in is more powerful a force in their life than anything else. 
Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child. Lead the way, parents. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, because sometimes it takes a while. If you've done the training right, they might go off the path for a while, but when they're old, they will, they will not turn from that training, that path that you put them on. Abe Lincoln said it this way, though, to train a child in the way he should go is to travel the path yourself. Gotta lead the way. Gotta lead the way. Third gift every parent needs to give their kids, stay in the battle. Stay in the battle, because it is a battle. Parenting, I think, is like a boxing match in some ways. You know, your first child is born, you think, oh, what just hit us? What just hit us? Round one starts, you take some hits, you get knocked down a few times, but you gotta get up, parents. Stay in the battle, because you have 11 rounds to go. And about round eight, you are so tired and feel so beat up, you just wanna bail, you wanna quit, you wanna check out. But the thing you can't do is quit because if you quit, everybody loses. My daughter's three-year-old girl pushes every button there is. It's exhausting. And she has a toy turtle named Shell. And so she'll, she'll drag Shell slowly across the carpet right in front of her nine-month-old sister, just out of reach. And just when Maisie is about to reach to play for Shell, Ibby will jerk it away from her like she's, what's wrong with you? Just to torment the baby, it's nothing but sin. <laughs> it's depravity that we all have. But I'm telling my daughter and my son-in-law, they're on top of it. They give a clear directive, and if Ibby defies them, she gets a timeout or even a spank on her fanny once in a while. And I, I know that's controversial. Should never be given in anger, but I'm telling you, some kids, <laughs> they absolutely insist on being spanked and you ought to reward them. <laughs> now again, again, never in anger. Never in anger. I know I'm gonna get mail on this. I, I've debated whether to tell you this or not because it's dicey. Never in anger, probably not before age two, and probably not past age four, always on the soft spark, never a slap, never a hit. But some kids, it's just that way, and it means something to them. Why do they discipline her? Because if she doesn't learn right from wrong at age three, she'll have no friends at age 13. She'll never be able to hold down a job. She will not know how to respect authority. Parents, you have to be on this. You're the parent. It's not, a, it's not a, a popularity contest at all. There are times when every child will push and rebel against your authority, but your job is to get them to adulthood with their life and morals and faith intact. This is especially important with teens, because isn't this true? Teens want all the freedom of an adult, without the responsibility of it all. They wanna drive your car, spend your money, and stay out till dawn without any responsibility. And what complicates it is the last area to develop in a teenager's brain is the frontal cortex, which is, which is the part that thinks <laughs> and reasons. It literally does not connect until their mid-20s, so teenagers literally aren't thinking straight 
or correctly until their mid-20s. Dave Walsh, the author of Why Do They Act This Way, says the reason teens are so impulsive is because the gas pedal in their brain is in high gear, but the braking system isn't developed yet. <laughs> Love that. So true. So parents, you have to stay in the battle so that your kids don't permanently injure themselves, form an addiction, fail in school, or bring a baby home at age 15. Teenagers literally don't have the ability, mental ability, to make decisions without your help. They need your guidance. And by the way, every kid is different, which means you need to adapt your parenting. Our daughter Meg did everything we asked of her. When she, when she saw a sign at the swimming pool that said, don't run, she walked. When my son saw that same sign, he ran on purpose, <laughs> just because. I've mentioned this before, but when David was 15, he battled us about prom night, couldn't see any reason why he couldn't stay out all night long with his friends, and he said, why can't I? We said, well, David, because you have, you have a job to go to in the morning, we don't approve of what often happens after prom, and we don't want something to happen to you that will scar you for life. He said, but why? I said, we just told you why. That's lame, he said. All my friends are up all night. We said, good for them, not good for you. And gang, it was a battle. He was mad, he thought we were idiots, but it was our job to get him to adulthood with his life and morals intact. A few years later, I found a journal in David's room and I, I, it was full of prayers that he'd written and Bible verses. I just wanna read briefly one of his prayers. Lord, I praise you for being so faithful. He wrote this when he was 19. Thank you for hearing my prayer and answering the cares of my heart. Teach me what it means to follow you, Jesus. Thank you for having room in your heart for a sinner like me. Help me to pursue you and honor you in all areas of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 24, 10 says, if you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Gang, when the heat is on, you can't falter. You can't bail on this responsibility. And you're not always gonna know if you're doing it right. You're gonna be confused at times, but you gotta hang in there because deep down, kids really wanna know where the boundaries are. They find security when a parent says, I love you too much to let you do that. And here's, here's the dilemma. The, the dilemma is this. The years when your kids need your time the most is when you have the least amount of time because you're building a career and you're building a family and you're going crazy. So, it's, it's, so here's the thing, parents, you can't do everything. You, you can't have everything. You, something has to give, something has to go. Nobody can work three jobs, run to 18 soccer games, have season tickets, go out with friends every week and be a mom and be a dad to their kids. Your number one job is to get your kids through zero to 25, stay in the battle. Final, final gift every parent needs to give their kids, express, express love to them. Again, dads especially, because men sometimes have a hard time expressing love, have a hard time saying to their son, I love you, I'm proud of you. 
have a hard time saying to their daughter, you're so pretty, you're so smart. So words are important, but it's not just words. A study out of UCLA discovered that for human beings, every one of us to remain healthy, we need eight to 10 meaningful touches every day. And they, they, they define a meaningful touch as a hug, pat, touch, or kiss. By the way, Jesus understood this. Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and look what he did, touched people. Another verse, they brought young children to him that he might touch the children. He took them in his arms even, and he blessed them. Why did Jesus touch people? Because, they're, gang, there is power in loving, appropriate touch. You say, I'm not a touchy type of person. I'm not a huggy feel. I got that. I get it. But no matter how young or old your son or daughter is, they want to be the recipient of your expressed love. By the way, when children are the recipient of appropriate touch by a loving and godly person, they'll be more likely to say no to inappropriate touch from an ungodly person. Every kid comes to those crossroads as early as 11 or 12, and they will be forced to make a decision about alcohol, drug use, stealing, pornography, and sex. And gang, in those moments, will they have the strength to say no? Will they have the wisdom and strength to say no to those things because they felt so loved by you as a parent and so loved by God that they would never want to violate that trust, and those two loves that are part of their life. When my son was 21, he, was, he called us from Virginia Law School every single day. Uh, one night he was really struggling, felt isolated, felt very alone in his faith and morals. They were under attack by colleagues and friends. And as a 21-year-old kid living far from home in church, it was really tough. And so he called one night, really down, and I could hear the sadness in his voice. And so we talked for a while, and then I prayed with him over the phone. And the next day, I sent him a text, which is agonizing for me. It's taken me so long to, you know, do those little things. But I told him in my text, I said, Dave, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. I reminded him of this verse in Philippians 4, Dave, I said, you can do all things. You can get through this season of difficulty. You can do all things through Christ, who gives you the strength. Go to him, Dave. He's there with you. He lives inside you. And I remember... I hit send, I remember thinking that message is gonna travel instantly over 1,400 miles, you know, over the plains, over the Blue Ridge Mountains, and it was gonna land on David's phone at, at University of Virginia, a love message from his dad. Three seconds later, my phone buzzed with a text back. I was like, how did he do that? <laughs> and it said, it said, thanks, Dad. I love you, too. It's just what I needed. Can't wait to come home. And there was this connection that I'm so thankful for. And that connection was built and nurtured for 21 years. 
A connection that still, by the way, has influence in his life today. He's 30 years old. But I thought when I sent that text, 10 years ago, he was just a little 12-year-old boy, and now he's in this environment that attacks his faith and attacks his morality. And I thought, how grateful I am that we guided him through the early years that prepared him for this season of challenge in his life. So grateful that we laid the foundation of stability for him. That we set an example in speech, life, love, and faith. So glad that we stayed in the battle when it was tough and loved him through it. Parents, you can do it. It's one of the most important things you'll ever do in this world. You can, no matter how hard it is, you can do all things. You can raise your kids. You can do it, not on your own strength. Through Christ, who loves you, who understands what you're dealing with, through Christ, go to him. His hand is stretched out to you 24-7. Put your trust in him. And before you know it, your kids will be grown and gone. And it'll be so worth it. And so what I want to do as we close, I just want to pray especially for all parents. Because it's one of the most difficult, demanding jobs on the planet. One of the most important jobs. Man, when you get this right and your kids turn out, no greater joy. So at all campuses and watching online, would you just Stand with me, and I just want to spend a, a minute with you in prayer. Parents, some of you have fantastic kids. They're on the path, they're on the right path, and they're, it's turning out, and you're so joyful. And it's just a great time, nothing better. And uh, I'm just rejoicing with you. Some of you parents, though, your kids are in trouble. And it's a daily fight. It's a daily tension in your family. And sometimes you don't know what to do. Some of you parents have lost a child and that's a whole different kind of heartache. And then some of you are standing here and you have desperately prayed that God would give you a child. And for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet. But God is faithful. And God understands where you are. Keep trusting him. You are not alone in this parenting struggle. Again, gang, there is a heavenly father who loves you, whose hand is stretched out to you 24-7 reach out, grab his hand, put your full trust in him. Some of you parents, you're knocking it out of the park. I mean, you are, you are establishing the stability in your home. You're setting an example. You know, you're hanging in there in the battle and you're loving your kids. I just, I'm so proud of you. But some of you, 
are saying, Bob, I, I screwed this up. And what I want to say to you is you can turn that around. Again, there is a God who loves you and is willing to forgive whatever screw-up you made. You can make a decision today to become the person or the parent that God designed you to be. Make that decision for your sake, for your family's sake, for your kids' sake. And so let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word today. And I pray, God, that there's something here that every person can take home and say, that was for me. Lord, we need you. We are weak. We are afraid at times. We are confused. Some of us have issues at home that are beyond understanding, beyond our ability, and so we need a help that we can't generate on our own. God, we need divine help. And so we ask you today that you will do that. In every single home that's represented here today, we give you all the praise and glory for the healing that's gonna be taking place this week as we put our trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, everybody. God bless all of you.